This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with By Heart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you. Additional terms and conditions apply. We know you're seeing all the Mother's Day gift guides everywhere. And while we usually do some didn't I just feed you version, this year we have the one perfect Mother's Day gift that works for everyone even our last-minute shoppers, mylifeinabook.com. Mylifeinabook.com is a unique service that turns the life stories of people you love into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your gift recipient a question via email. These can be pre-written questions that they provide, or you can customize the questions the way that I did for my mom. Your recipient can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm really excited to be creating a book with my own mom this year, and I can't wait to hear some of her childhood memories, what it was really like raising three kids as a single mother, and how she's enjoyed becoming a grandmother, too. And when the book is done, you'll have a beautiful keepsake for her and for you too. You can even choose to have an audiobook created from the recordings. It's easy to sign up and the process is automated so you don't have to worry about missing a week. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code D-I-J-F-Y at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code D-I-J-F-Y for 10% off today. There's no reason why you can't... Just because you've set, set something up doesn't mean you can't change. Like, it's never too late for you to change the path that your family's taking. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Megan, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay, Stacy. How are you? <laughs> It started with a happy laugh, and then it was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Are you really okay? <laughs> I'm really okay. Like, right, I'm not good. signing on being like, oh, I'm great. Uh, I'm fantastic. Um, also, I like to laugh when I feel uncomfortable or sad, but I totally want to bogart at least part of this episode to complain. Oh. Are you game for that? I am so game for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've recently started self-identifying as a little bit of a complainer. I've never, ever thought of myself that way. And through some therapy and through some work with my husband, through some rough times the last six months, he's been like, actually, you're a little bit of a complainer. And I'm, I'm really, I've reflected on that. So apparently, I like complaining, Megan. <laughs> do it. Let's do it. This is my space now. As a little aside, I recently shared, I think it's a Cleo Wade, the author, little thing where she was like, complaining has no magic to it. Yes. Which I fully believe. Like, I'm always trying to be like in a growth mindset and have a positive outlook. My husband is the complainer in the relationship. But I do think this complaint might get us into some good conversation that will be fruitful instead of like just complaining just to complain. Okay. But what I want to complain so I about is- So I want to hear it. I, I like fruitful okay. conversation even more than I like complaints. Let's do it. <laughs> What's going on? Okay. I want to talk about the division of responsibility in the kitchen. Oh, we're just going right there. We're going right for it. Okay. So okay. you know that I also cannot make a long story short, like I'm not 
capable of that. And I know that I have personal responsibility here, but we are in a season of life where I am the primary earner in our family. I have this side hustle outside of just didn't I just feed you doing some freelance stuff. Yep. And my husband is a freelancer, so his job is really erratic. Like he might work for three days in a row. He might work for a week in a row or he might not work at all in a week. But for many reasons, we have always been set up as I am the person who meal plans, meal preps, and cooks most of our meals, including packing school lunches when we were really doing that a lot, Um, breakfast on the days when he works. If he's home, he makes breakfast. But I am, like, really in a very deep season of burnout. Yeah. Both from, like, a physical level of just feeling like if I'm not working, I'm doing something that's, like, productive for our family. That's meal planning, meal prep, grocery shopping, cooking, planning summer camps, whatever that might be. Yeah. Cleaning out closets, making sure the kids have the right clothes, making sure they have birthday presents for the gifts. We just did that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Coordinating coordinating play dates, swimming lessons, like. Yeah. And then just transportation everywhere. And we've talked about feeding them while transporting them too, which is (laughs) like a whole other beast of a task. Right. And I just, I can't even articulate how many instances recently where my husband has asked me questions about feeding our kids where I'm like, why do you not know the answer to that? Why is it a Saturday afternoon at one o'clock and you're saying, what are you feeding the kids for lunch? Because my husband is a grown ass man. Yeah. He is. I've met him. He's definitely grown. (laughs) Also, I want to like disclose two things. One, which is I am not complaining about this and not also addressing this with my husband directly. And I have permission to share. So I'm not, my husband is a great husband. He's a great dad. I love him deeply. And we are like trying to find our own solutions inside of our marriage, inside of our family, which include our kids. So I want to say that one that like I'm not just complaining about my husband to complain. I'm complaining about the division of responsibility around feeding our family. And I also want to say that like I don't think this is an issue that is exclusive to heteronormative couples. Like even though I'm the primary cook, I don't think that – and I'm the mom. I don't think that that's true for all families, nor should it be. We have neighbors who the husband works full-time, and he's the family cook. But they have a better division of responsibility because the wife also, like, plans and shops because she stays home part-time with the kids. Yeah. I feel like I already have so much to say, but go. I'm (laughs) listening. I hear – I'm hearing you deeply. Yeah. Like, I I feel myself getting emotional. Like, I might cry about it because I feel like – One, I feel like it's my fault because I set us up this way. You know, it was really fun when we were first dating to, like, feed my boyfriend and my fiancé and be, like, taking care of him in that way. And now I'm in a season, like, I need my husband to take better care of me. And he doesn't know how. Yeah. Both from a standpoint of, like, that's not how he was raised and also from a standpoint of, like, I haven't shown him how to do that. And I also have not shown our kids how to do that. Yeah. And I feel like I might be setting them up for failure too. Oh, there's so much to unpack here. And I can really, really deeply relate. You know, and I'm trying to think about how to organize this conversation so we don't, so we can make it really productive. But I want to just start by saying that I hear you. Um I'm a little bit older than you. I've been married, I think, a little bit longer. Yeah. Right? Um, And my kids are a little bit older. So, like, I have felt the pain. I um, We've talked about this before. I don't think on the podcast, but personally, that um, we have a similar-ish division of labor at home. Although I will say that you are more financially responsible for your family than I am. And that but is you a still huge work piece of that. Part, like, I do. that's the thing is I do work. We're, when we have these conversations, the original setup of like one parent stayed home and cooked and did all the meals and the other parent went out and worked like no family looks like that anymore. Even most yeah. 
I would say 90% of the women I know who, I shouldn't say women, people, parents who stay at home or they're the primary parent, they are also working part-time or doing freelance things, or they're heavily involved in PTA or um, political organizations. So they're doing a lot more outside of the home. They are. and I, But I just want to, I guess I want to like honor the work you're doing and also acknowledge my privilege in this and that it's like, you know, a white person having a conversation about race, right? We can opt in and out. <laughs> Whenever yes. we want. Which is a whole other conversation. Because as yes. soon as you say that, I'm like, oh. I know. We can't. There's like, <laughs> we could speak for hours. But as somebody who isn't financially responsible for my family, I can opt in and out of that piece. Yeah. In a way that I know you don't feel like you can. Just and that in this carries season. a different weight. That's right. Yeah. Right. And, it, and I will say it hasn't always been that way. When we lived in Atlanta, it was much more. Yep balanced. Right. Even though I don't know if I would use that word. Yeah. Shift in your relationship. Yeah. On the other hand, I am just going to say before we put this away, that that has also made things in my relationship really hard because I am not someone who's interested in not working and not needing the money that I bring in doesn't make me not want to bring in money and be somebody who contributes to the family financially and want to be a working person. And that has created a weird dynamic too, where it's like when I ask in the past, when I have asked my husband to do more at home, it's become an easy crutch. And this doesn't happen anymore, but it became an easy crutch at points to say like, well, you don't have to be working. And I do. So what, like, I can't take on anymore. Can't you give up your work for this? And he's never said that. And I don't think he's ever meant that, but that's how it has felt to me. And when work is so central to your identity and you want so badly to be more than just a mom and the person who takes care of your home and your family, that felt crushing to me. So, you know, wherever you fall on the spectrum, the burden of the invisible work and this emotional load is heavy. So there's a lot of overlap between us and there's some difference between us. And I'm sure that goes for all the people listening who can relate to us. And I don't think that that detracts from, you know, the weight that we feel as primary caregivers to our kids and the primary home caregivers. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> um, and primary cooks. Yeah. Because that's what it comes down to work. for didn't I just feed you, right? Like, yes. There are a lot, there are actually a lot of ways that my husband contributes. Like, he's a neat freak about the floors. Yeah, he loves to vacuum. He loves I love vacuum, that about him. And he really likes. I don't think he likes to do laundry, but I feel like he's like, I know how to do laundry. Yes. So I can do that. And I can yeah. do it from start to finish. And it feels successful for him. My, so My husband's down with laundry, too. But um, one, <laughs> I feel like you're not saying that it gets better, which is what I really – I'm sorry. What I really I, want I, you to tell me, Stacey, is it gets better. It gets better. Um, we are – Because your boys are older. Do they not okay. share in the division of responsibility, okay, too? so – I will say that it absolutely, I'm finally seeing that it can get better. And I don't think it's a matter of time. As I reflect back, at least in the context of my life, I don't feel like it was just a matter of time or my kids' ages, although that helps. I think it was a matter of when Mike and I got serious about having the right conversation Maybe right is too judgmental. Having the like conversation about the real root of the issue. Yeah. And we've just started to do that. But I feel like you and your husband could do that now and get on the right path earlier than we did. That's to the point where we're at is like. Yeah. Okay. So we are 10 years into our relationship. We We have a first grader and a preschooler. And thinking about like the idea that. Shared responsibility doesn't mean just the two of us. It also includes our children. And that, in some ways, I feel like 
we've done a lot of taking care of them. And now we're trying to move into a new mindset that like, uh, I don't know what, what else to call it besides a growth mindset. And it feels like silly, but instead of like trying to, to get them dressed as fast as we can in the morning, we're trying to like show them how they can do it themselves. And actually that part of it, even though it's new, we're like a month into it, is like way easier (laughs) than retraining my husband, retraining my husband, teaching my husband. That's what I want to say. And then there's also the resentment of why am I teaching you this? It takes a lot of energy to teach someone. And I think that a big part of this Invisible work is a term that's been thrown around a lot over the last few years. I think it sort of like became more high profile a term maybe after Me Too. I mean, I don't know if I've got my timeline exactly right, but it's it's in the conversation. Speak to what the idea of invisible work or emotional labor, like what does that really look like for someone who maybe is coming to this conversation without having heard that or experienced it? Well, it's funny because I now, through having a more productive conversation with my husband and seeing the term through his eyes and realized that either the media he was consuming, most of which I shared with him, like, read this, (laughs) learn something, (laughs) or how I was talking to him about it and defining the terms, wasn't capturing the full scope of the burden that I was feeling. Um, Burden, uh, weight of what I was feeling. Because sometimes it isn't a burden, it's just a lot. You know, the same way he feels like he loves his work. He doesn't feel like it's a burden as much as sometimes it's a lot of pressure on him. So, you know, it's just a lot. Uh, It used to be that we used to talk about invisible work being all the little steps and details that he didn't realize went into, I have to sign the kids up for after school or the kids need to be signed up for camp. You know, that means talking to the kids about camp, like researching the camps, like all the paperwork, you know, there are all these like steps that take up so much of my time. And that's really what invisible work meant to him for a long time. And I think it's what i focused on and and discussing with him. I'm a bit of a lister. And I'd be like, well, this is what I did today. And I'd list all the things. (laughs) But what I think we were missing until now was the emotional and mental exhaustion. Talking to the kids, actually, let's shift away from camp and let's talk about food because that's why people tune in. The exhaustion of figuring out what the kids like or making a meal and then having Oliver be like, uh, like pick up the onions or whatever, or having a fight with them about like last night, it was like, let's go out to dinner where I have to go to a school event. Papa has to pick you up. Like it's just easiest for us to like go out to dinner and then dad will pick you up from here and I'll go straight to the school meeting. And then they got in a fight over whether we should go to the pizza place or whether we should go to the Mexican place. You hear, can you hear the, the ice cream truck behind me? I feel like, I feel like it's very appropriate. It's like a crazy, it's like crazy it's like sound. Carnival it's like, music. I know, right? <laughs> the circus that is feeding our families and fighting about the pizza place versus the Mexican place. So they actually got in a fight over whether we should go to a pizza place or Mexican place. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here until you two can figure it out. And it's 530. I got to be at school at 7. And it's like that piece of it, I can't find a way to communicate to him how freaking exhausting that is. Yeah. And that it's different than sitting at my desk and just having a lot of work to do. Like I would rather record with you or sit and write an article or develop a recipe by myself in my kitchen any day. I will trade that over being locked in my car with two hungry kids fighting over whether we go to the pizza place or the the Mexican place. So it's sort of, it's like really about these micro decisions that we are making all the time, whether they're around food or summer camp, right? Like, I think my husband thinks I pull a meal plan out of thin air, like that I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) here it is. I'll just pull that right out of my Yeah, but I'm all, I'm, there are actually like 10 decisions that go into like even sitting down to make a meal plan. Like, 
What's on our calendar this week? Yep. What's in our fridge that needs to be used up? Oh, what is our budget? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like – and then I sometimes will ask him like, hey, what do you want on this week's meal plan? And he'll be like, I don't know. Or he'll be like, oh, let's have – really expensive steaks and i'm like you just do you honestly you just have no idea what our actual life is like or what we actually like to eat (laughs) yeah or like even thinking about like uh you know oliver won't be home from basketball until 5 30 and he'll be starving so this is a day when it should be like quick and something that he i know is a sure thing with him like yeah these tiny little details yeah. that are just second nature because we know everything about how this family runs. Yeah. And so that's I, a lot to carry with you every day. It's a lot to carry. Working. And let me tell you something. It is not easy to transition that load to the your partner because that's the season that we're in where I'm like, okay, I really realize like something has to wiggle a little bit for us. And for me personally, because I cook so much for work, my husband has to take over some of the feeding our family responsibilities, whether that looks like he's doing a lot of the grocery shopping or the meal planning, or that means he's doing more cooking. And honestly, he's not equipped to do those things. And so I am literally having this thought about how do I teach my husband how to do those things? It's much easier to like – fold your kids into it and teach them how to do it when they have no yes. preconceived notion than it is to teach a grown-up how to do something that they don't feel like they're good at and that they feel like you're really good at and you're just judging how they do it. Yes. I am really excited because we have Katie Moore Ford coming on the show and she just wrote a cookbook called Prep that's about teaching your college kids to cook. And I'm li- like marking pages of like, oh, Brian can cook this. This would be a great place for Brian to start. Oh, here's an easy dinner recipe that Brian can cook. I'm so excited about talking to Katie. I mean, this book is brilliant. It makes a great graduation gift. It's also just really good, simple, easy cooking. So I totally see and think it's genius that you're using it to just hand over to Brian. But I have a question for you. Sure. Why do you have to teach him? Isn't that another thing? I mean, so here's... Okay. Yeah. But is it another thing that gets us to to an end goal? Like, But what about just letting him make hot dogs? Or like, what about just handing him Katie's book, Prep, and saying like, like, these are our shared goals. Like, I know that I need to let go. This is... Am I talking... Am I being Megan talking to Brian or am I being Stacey talking to Mike? I don't know right now. Okay. So, Mike... (laughs) Our shared goals are, full disclosure, I'm never going to ask Mike to cook, by the way. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) and I can talk about why too. Yeah. But anyway, let's say that I would. Something that Mike and I have really struggled with is that when I have asked him to take things on, I then want the things done my way. Yes. And, And he's right. I have not been fair. That has been a major obstacle And it's actually compounded itself over the years, where first it's just an obstacle. Then it actually feels like criticism. Then it's actually created anxiety in him. Like, ah, he feels paralyzed. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do it wrong. And like, who wants to help when you feel like you're going to do something wrong? And I wear my heart on my sleeve. You know, like, it's true. Like, I, he does something and I'm like, oh, that's not. Okay, move over. You know, it's obnoxious. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so 100% guilty of doing that. And I will say in the past, we've had really great success using like meal kits. Yeah. And letting him cook meals from those because it is expensive, but so is marriage counseling. Oh, that (laughs) I can attest to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Amen, sister. Okay, but I want to. Okay, so the real the real answer is yes. It would be easier. It would, in some ways, be easier to be like your dinner's on you tonight. Like you just figure it out. I also feel like that's unrealistic for me because I am an out and out control freak, and I don't actually know how to delegate that part of our life very well. Like. I think I of those you. things as so like 
yeah, it'd be really easy to be like, you're cooking, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week because of what's going on or because our schedules are clear and let him grocery shop. But I feel like it would be more expensive, one, because I think he would just like buy exactly what he needs for a recipe because he he hasn't necessarily been taught or he didn't grow up as part as that being part of his like responsibility. So he doesn't know to like shop the pantry first before he even starts thinking about what meals he's going to cook. And also, I don't really like hot dogs. So I don't want to eat hot dogs once <laughs> I know, a week. I mean, that's like a problem. But anyway, <laughs> I can't even get into that with you right now. But I, I am going to be real with you. And I'm going to cut to the chase. Do it. I think that's a problem. I really do. And I I'm and I say this from experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say from experience. Then, then this is why I won't let my cook. This is not like cooking is not the job that I'm able to successfully delegate. And what Mike and I have learned through said expensive therapy is like we have to start being together and identifying what are the things that we need to tackle together as a pair, as a duo. The way you and I look at our like whole to-do list for didn't I just feed you? And we are so a pair. Yeah. <laughs> when we look at that, Mike and I have to look at the, you know, home stuff, the kid stuff, including cooking like that. And then once it's in his domain, I have to let him do it the way he wants. But if there's something that matters to me, so for cooking, I could say, you know, I'm going to use a quick shorthand here for sake of time. Nutrition really matters to me. Like every meal has to have a vegetable and I really can't eat pasta every single night because that yeah. just isn't, I physically don't feel well. Like if I just eat carbs and a vegetable every single night, those are the parameters. Can you handle those parameters? And he has a right, he has a genuine right without me being angry to say yes or no. And if he says no, then I have to find, we have to find a different job for him. If he says yes, he has to adhere to those parameters. But beyond that, then it's his job without me meddling. I feel like that's the only way to go. And with cooking, I know I'm not capable of being that hands-off. So we give Mike other stuff to do. <laughs> I, I just can't. And it's yeah, not his no, fault. No, I hear you. And right, like it's very personal. Food and feeding our family is very personal and it's very intricate. And the solution for you and Mike not might not actually be the solution that works for Brian and I, right? Yeah, because totally. other parts of your shared responsibility equation are different totally. than what ours are and what they have been. And it, and it's probably something that we're going to have to reevaluate once a year or once every six months because that is for sure. As you I mean, you know, you've experienced that this even this school year like you, at one point you had afternoon help and then you don't have afternoon yeah. help. So like what dinner prep looks like is a lot different now than it was in the fall. And it's sort of like Brian's really slow in the winter. So that could be a time where he's contributing a lot more to feeding our family than he can in the summertime when he gets really busy. So yeah, I mean, does I, Brian like to cook? I I actually think that he does. That is great. <laughs> but I think that me being a control freak and having in the past been like, you're doing it wrong, or like that's not the way I would have chopped that onion, has sort of <laughs> created some I don't know some issues for him, maybe some limitations for him growing his confidence as a cook is something that could we could bond over. Like, I love cooking and I love food. And I know that Brian loves to eat and he loves food. And that if that was something that we could share more, like, I would really enjoy that for the next yeah. 20, 40 years of our marriage. 20, I don't, that was terrible math, Megan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that I think, and also I feel like that would be a better model for our kids and it's interesting, like, as I'm articulating the, the the idea of, like, growing his confidence and making it fun, that is, like, a real thing that we've been doing as we teach our first grader, Ella, to ride her bike without training wheels. And it's the thing I say, I've been saying to him, because he's very, like, regimented. He's like, we're going to go out and we're going to ride bikes for an hour today and we're going to do this many laps trying to ride without your training wheels. And Ella's like, 
<laughs> One day this weekend, they came back from it. And she was like, it did not go very well. Oh. <laughs> but the next day, I went with them. And together, Brian and I worked on it being about growing her confidence and having as much fun as possible. And at the end of the day, she was riding her bike without training wheels. Granted, she can't steer yet. Or break very well. She can. She only goes straight. <laughs> but she can ride. But she can ride. It's awesome. So I think there's, you know, not to say that the responsibility to teach my husband is on me, but I do think it would be more helpful to him if I help was made it about growing his confidence and having fun. Yes, and if he's engaged in that process and that's what works for you, I think that's awesome. I mean, for us, it's very much more if I could have more of a break, especially on the weekends or during the week and feel like I got everything I needed to get done without feeling like an insane woman, I would like to cook dinner and meal plan. Like those are things that give me joy. And and I think that when we really, when Mike and I really reflected on what we both like to do and want to do and want to prioritize. I was like, I don't mind doing all of that. I just can't do it and everything else. So like over the weekend, I had a little meltdown on everybody because we went out, we had a great day with the boys. We came home and Mike was like, I'm going to just take like a 40 minute nap, which was really thoughtful because it used to be years ago that he'd like go and just pass out and like not say anything and not. And I was like, um, hello, like I still have kids to take care of. And I was like, great boys, you take a shower. This one, you, this one, you do your homework. I'm going to go do my own thing. But then the boys got in a fight and then one's coming to me and the other one's like, why do I have to take a shower? And I got nothing done. I was managing two boys the whole time. It was basically, um, get ready to bleep us, Samantha. It was basically a show. (laughs) Mike's 40-minute timer goes off. He's like, oh, rested. And was like, okay. And then there was like really nothing to do because I'd managed the boys. And now they were quiet. But then it was time to cook dinner. And I was in such a foul mood. And it's like, well, now my dinner cooking time (laughs) was my happy time, and it's not happy. Yeah, because now I'm doing it begrudgedly, and I didn't get to do the things I wanted to do. Right. But I will say there that that wasn't Mike's fault. It was also partly, like, my fault with the kids. Like, I should have just cut them off. And my kids. I have older kids. I want to applaud you. We need, like, special effects, big claps. Because you are getting them engaged in this now. And I have to take ownership. And Mike is right there with me. We both had a big talk about it recently. My kids are spoiled. Oh, my kids I've, are so spoiled. I want to talk mine about are 12 what, we're, and nine. what we're trying to do to reverse that. Here's yeah, the thing. so let's get practical too. Yeah, go ahead. we Here's learned this what? from Jill Castle. Remember, yes. you had the interview with her. I will forget what episode it was. Usually I'm so good at mem- you are. remembering. Wow. But it's about sugar. And she was kind of like, there's no reason why you can't just because you've set set something up doesn't mean you can't change. Like it's never too late for you to change the path that your family's taking. That's true. I am going to say it's really hard. I'm getting a lot of pushback. Oh yeah. I mean, Oliver is like, why all of a sudden do I have to do everything? I'm like, uh, wow, that's hardly everything, but okay. I just asked you <laughs> I to know, put you're away like, some uh, folded laundry. Just asking you to put your laundry away. Yeah. Not the end of the world. But you're right. And Jill Castle is episode 13. Nice, Stacey. Way to go. Way to look it up. So let's talk some practical stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. I did. I will say, speak, speaking directly to the idea of like, let's get our kit. Let's let's deal with our kids first and foremost because yes. they're very impressionable, which means we can kind of mold them to be part of the shared responsibility and also to hopefully be great partners when they grow older because they have this like personal responsibility. Um, I'm sure that there are like actual practical models of this. Like I think of Montessori as being very like you fend for yourself personal responsibility curriculum, but I actually don't know that much about it to be yeah, quite frank. It is. Um, and I will also say that we have had many false starts 
like over the last two years since our daughter was five, we've been trying to implement like a family economy or an allowance, a chore chart. And honestly, nothing has worked. We've done things for a little bit and and it's been like pulling teeth. To And then at the end of the week, I'm just like, fine, here's your money. <laughs> you didn't even do what was on your chore chart. And I'm still going to let you buy the piece of crap at Target. Yeah. But we just implemented a point system, which has been really easy to keep up with and like no fuss and is wildly motivating for both kids, which I was surprised by that. Here's the idea. They have a certain set of points that they can earn every day for little things. Remember, my kids are seven and four. So even things like getting themselves dressed and making their beds count towards their points. Those are really easy things that they should be doing anyways. And those points, when they earn 100 of them, they can turn those 100 points in for $10, which they can use any way that they want to. I don't actually think that they've connected the points to the dollars because they're so excited about the points. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) So – We've slowly, we like Uh, the first week it was, ah, young children. (laughs) The first week we really just made it about like, okay, can you do these things that you should be doing on your own and earn your points? Which was a conversation that we had to have with them. Like basically saying you're spoiled and we want to fix it. (laughs) I framed it as mommy's really like has a lot of work right now and I need some help. And these are the little things that you can do that help mommy and daddy around the house. Yep. I don't know why I said mommy and daddy because I don't think we talk about ourselves that way or our <laughs> kids do either. We're mom and dad. And I don't know that that was motivating to them or not, but I do know that the points are very motivating. Yes. And that they sort of like compete with each other where they're like, oh, I got two points for this. And then the other one wants to do something to earn points. And so some of the chores in the kitchen that they've started doing is my first grader is clearing off the table now. And she's, I would use air quotes here, helping do dishes, which means she's trying to help load stuff into the dishwasher, but she's mostly doing it with help. And I think that's okay because honestly, like – we forget that we have to teach them how to do those things. Like, they don't know how to load a dishwasher. We just assume that they've seen us do it a million times in their lifetime and they understand how it works, but they don't. So there is – it's sort of like the idea of transitioning my husband into the cooking role. Like, there is some work that's involved up front, but I think the long-term gain of it is that I don't have to do as much. Yes. (laughs) And maybe they'll be great people when they grow up. I mean, they're great people now. But what do you guys do around chores and shared responsibility for the boys? Because Isaac and Oliver are 11 and 12. 12 12 and and 9. And I'm going to just say that I really, in this most recent, like, spike of frustration – have decided that I needed to do something different to make the conversation go differently. It's like, Mm -hmm. what's that saying? Um, If you do the same thing over and over, that's the definition of insanity. Yeah. That's not the exact quote, but you get the idea. Essentially. Yeah. I decided that I needed to start with myself this time and really reflecting on, I've made a lot of jokes about it this episode, but reflecting on my like, what I don't want to let control of, like Mm -hmm. where I want to kind of accept myself. And I'm kind of thinking a little bit about our conversation from last week with row of brown kids, right? Yeah, like you're a maximalist and that's that's okay, whatever that looks like for you. Right, but just this idea that if you have a goal, instead of like being rigid about like, this is how you get to the goal. And with her, we were talking about reducing waste. Yeah. But, you know, instead- Starting with accepting yourself and reflecting on the reality of who you are and what matters to you, you can kind of reach that goal in a much happier and more productive way. So I don't want to give up cooking dinner and meal planning. I would like some more input. Um, I would like help with groceries and keeping a list. Mm -hmm. I would sometimes like help with unpacking the groceries or cleaning out the fridge, like some of the to-dos around that. Yeah. Um, but I I get and I accept that I'm going to be the keeper of all things related to food and kitchen. And like we agreed on that. 
So what are what am I going to be a control freak about and I'm okay with? Where are the places where I really need to let go of being a control freak? And a great example of that is laundry. I hate messy closets, but if I can't see inside the boy's closet, if I can't see inside Mike's closet, I need to freaking let it go. Because it's not your closet. It's not my closet. And yes, when I go into Isaac's closet to grab something for him, it seriously gives me physical agita to see that it's all a mess. And I used to fix it. I I would either do it myself so that I didn't experience that agita, so I was trying to reduce my own anxiety, or I would fix it for him. Same with the boys making their beds, which they have to do every day. I would fix their beds, and Isaac called me out on it. He's like, what's the point of making my bed if you're going to fix it every day? Because I'd walk by his room, and I'd 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 want it to look better. So reflecting on that, how can I change? The second thing that I've done is Mike and I really sat down and we made a master Google list of like, here's everything in the house. And we really identified what Mike and also by extension, the boys were thinking of as Stacy tasks. So that when I asked for help, it'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll help you fold the laundry tonight. And if they got to it, they did. If they didn't, you know, it didn't really matter. And if they did like a little bit, it was like, okay, here you go. I should be thankful you helped me with my task. But writing it all down and sitting down with everybody and showing everybody what I do and saying, these aren't mine. These are ours. Yeah. I don't have to thank you for helping me with laundry because laundry is equally yours as it is mine. Now, we can say tasks X, Y, and Z default to me because I work from home, because I've chosen that. It's a division of labor. But when I ask you to step in because I'm overloaded this week, you step in and you do it like it is your own. You're not doing me a favor and like really getting the lay of the land. And because my kids are older, like really laying it out for them concretely the same way I was doing for my husband Mm -hmm. was really impactful, especially for my 12-year-old. I don't think he realized how much I was doing and how much went into everything I did. And then also, you know, they're both really proud. Like, oh, you just handed in your book. Do you have more edits? So they also have this conception that mama works, right? It's like, yeah, I just finished writing a book and you know I have a podcast and then all this. Yeah. And then just practical stuff. We used to do points when they were little, but I have referenced this book before on the podcast, um, The Opposite of Spoiled by Ron Lieber. Instead, we just give them, they don't have to earn money for their allowance. Money is given to them automatically every week and divided into give, save, spend. And we think of allowance as a learning opportunity for managing money. And then the rest of the stuff is how you have to do what you're supposed to do in order to earn your privileges. So you, they don't play video games Monday through Thursday. You want to play video games Friday and Saturday, Sunday. You want to have a sleepover Saturday night. Any of these things that we consider privileges, well, you have to have done your your chores or you have to have participated in the household the way we've said. So That's a pretty so, brilliant perspective for older and, kids. Yeah. And if you yeah. haven't made your bed, we call them marks just because their school calls them marks. I don't know. Like in middle school, you get a mark if you're for behavior. And after I mean, three marks, that's where good the points came from. First yeah, right? grade and kindergarten classroom, they use a program called Class Dojo, and they earn or lose points for behavior during the day. And so that helped. Yeah. So yeah. we reflected what was happening in the middle school, even though Oliver's not quite there yet. You don't make your bed. That's a mark. Three yeah. marks, no video games Friday night. Four marks or six marks, three more marks, no video games Saturday at all. Yeah. You just start to lose privileges. Like marks are just a way of tracking that you haven't participated in the household the way you're expected to. And then you just start to lose your privileges. Okay, but here's a legit question. Who is keeping up with the marks? Who knows? Yeah, uh, Who's the me. keeper of the marks? Me, of course. <laughs> but I will say Mike is the keeper of allowance. Yeah. And when okay. Isaac buys things or like uses his spend money, I literally, and you know how I am with <laughs> CFO, didn't I just feed you? You know how I am with numbers. I literally text Mike and I'm like, Isaac spent 20 bucks on this. And that's it. It's out of my mind completely. And Mike is responsible for going into the bank account or what a spreadsheet, whatever he uses. I don't even know. 
and he balances their book. So he does that. And he's also responsible every week for pulling their balances and letting them know what they have so that they're aware of how much money they have and spend, save, and give every week. I love that. And, you know, I'm always looking to you as a model of, like, what can it be like when my kids are older? Something to look forward to. I feel like we – I hope so. (laughs) Baby Mostly. (laughs) Mostly. Okay. We are over time today. But I feel like – could we do, like, the fastest lightning round of – as the primary cook, Stacey, I'm also a primary cook – what are ways that your non-cook can make you feel supported or things that help? Just like really quick, quick two or three things. Yeah. Well, uh, he's really great at unloading the groceries. And it used to be that he would just leave everything on the counter because he was like, I don't know how you want the fridge organized. Which, what the frick? Okay. I- <laughs> <laughs> Which, I'm sorry. I was, I was just like, about time, it. Is, time is up. But we had this thing. <laughs> Last week where I came back from Girl Scouts or something with my daughter and dinner dinner hadn't been put away. And my husband was like, I didn't know how you wanted this pork tenderloin to be put away. And I was like, <laughs> one, that's such bullshit because it's just pork. Like, have you – have I ever yelled at you for putting something wrong away wrong? No, never. Ever in our entire life. Like, just do it. Also, you're a 34-year-old man. You know how to put a piece of pork tenderloin away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so now Mike does it. He can Sorry. unload and load the groceries. <laughs> but I feel you. I feel you. We have we have had that argument. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I never do dishes. Yeah, Mike is. Uh, Mike will call himself very proudly the dish guy, and has even corrected me on how I load the dishwasher. FYI, I take exception to his corrections. I think I'm correct. But he owns the job so thoroughly that he's like, no, no, no. This is not how you do it, Billis. It's like this and this and this. And I kind of love that. I think it's pretty awesome. So like everything else around cooking, and I will say, this seems really minor. No matter what I cook, if he had chicken for lunch and I make a a chicken, rice, and beans for lunch. And I'm like, oh, guess what's for dinner? Chicken, rice, and beans. It doesn't matter what I cook. If I've messed up, if it's a crappy recipe, if he ate the same thing for lunch, he every single night thanks me for cooking dinner. He does it purposely in front of the boys out loud. And he always tells me it's delicious. And I don't think that that can be underestimated. That has a lot of value. That has (laughs) a ton of value. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) How about you? Loveling, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. And so that is a big deal to me. Yeah, like, right. To say thank you and to say that dinner was good. Um, I always like to say that the non cook can always offer to pour a glass of wine, make yeah. a cocktail. Um, non cook should be, can be responsible for clearing and or like setting up the table. Um, like you see me cooking dinner, you know that in. 20 minutes, we're going to need to have the table cleared. Like, just do that. And then I also think there's, like, the thing of helping keep up with what we need. So we – I think I've shared this before, but we use a whiteboard in our kitchen that's, like, attached to our fridge where meal yep. plans go um, and, like, schedules for the week. And we I also leave a space for, like, we need this. So that when I go to make a grocery list, I'm not, like – what are we out of this week? Yes. Primarily, it's like this stuff my husband handles on a daily basis. Like, he always makes coffee in the morning. Yeah, so he's so the person I. who can be like, oh, we're out of coffee in half and half. Yeah. But also, like, it seems trivial. But even just knowing, like, oh, my husband would love to have chips and salsa this week as, like, snacks while he's – for work, like, when he's home from work. That's actually helpful. Like, I don't mind adding those things onto the grocery list if I know. But having to always check in and be like, do you want anything this week? I don't enjoy that. And I think yeah. the non-cook can help. I agree. I also think going grocery shopping is a huge help. So we get a lot of grocery delivery. But mm-hmm. if I've forgotten something, it used to be that Mike would say like, oh, you forgot this or you forgot this and like add it to the list. Whereas now he has taken to, would you like me to pick this up on the way home from work tonight? Mm. And that has, that tiny shift has made a humongous difference to me. And so, you know, doing that if you get grocery delivery or just having the non-cook 
go grocery shopping every once in a while, even if you have to make the list for them. I think grocery shopping is a huge burden. Yes. And my husband has really helped the last two years now that his schedule is a little different. Like he will come grocery shop with me, which I also feel like is one of those ways that he's learned like these are the thing. this is what we buy. These are our grocery shopping values without me having to be like, and we like to buy the XYZ organic produce when we can, or we buy this based on price. So you learn by being a participant in grocery shopping. Oh, and I think that's a great note to end on because you know what you reminded me of? Mike and I were not talking about um, cooking or kitchen stuff, but um, setting up this like property that we're going to make into an Airbnb. And we were like really struggling. I was like, can you do this? And he was like, can you do that? And like, we were just like dividing and conquering. And we got into like a little mm, like kerfluffle. And, you know, we were like, let's not argue. Okay. Like, what is the issue here? And what we really came down to is there's just a lot of work in taking care of a family in a home. Like we're all in a season of life between four and 12. And it, we know it's for younger kids because you and I have both been there. And I know from speaking to friends who have older kids that this will continue until the boys are, you know, older, 16 even. Um, This is a season of life where it's just, it's overwhelming and it's busy. So being in it together, like if we have an overwhelming weekend or there's just a lot to do, sometimes not dividing and conquering, putting away our phones, not being distracted, pouring a glass of wine and being like, all right, let's do this side by side, or let's go to the grocery store together. Not our ideal way to spend quality time, but you know what? Like, we're together and we're in it together and we're doing this. Quality can make, time is quality time. Right? It makes a huge difference to feel like you're not alone. And I think that yeah. matters to both partners. I think it's a beautiful place to end. We should open up this discussion to our listeners group because I know that they have a lot to say about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so shizzy. Find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook where you can join our private listeners group. The answer to the secret question is whiskey. And most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and leave a review on iTunes. It makes a really big difference to us emotionally. And you can hear after today's episode that we need it. (laughs) I need it. I need it. Give it to me. (laughs) Give me my emotional validation. (laughs) Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy Enns, Samantha Gatsik, and the team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes and subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding us kids and families. What's the grossest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, well, um, oh, a fish eyeball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.